Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is our second episode of the week and a Wednesday edition of the show, and it is action-packed again for you, the Pewter people. And you know what? I missed you guys because I'm your host, Matt Matera. Right, it's Matt. been a couple days. It's been a couple yeah, episodes. Yeah. I've been suspended. <laughs> and it is great to be off the suspension and back with you guys. Joined with me, of course, are two of my favorite people in the world and to work with my colleagues, SR, the face that runs the place, Scott Reynolds, and Casey Hudson. Casey, we'll start with you because ladies first. Casey, how are you doing? Moving and shaking. So that's good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Good start. Scott, how yeah. about yourself? Um, I, I feel really good about today's show, Matt. I, I think that we're probably going to have the best episode of Peter Report podcast we've ever had so for everyone who's listening or watching congratulations you're part of history so (laughs) we'll see how it goes but i I like the way this show is going to flow today we've already mapped it out it's going to be great so hang in there buckle up it's going to be fun yeah we're going to get into a lot of information between uh some of the people we spoke to after practice with byron leftwich and john spytek we're going to talk about what happened during practice today a couple of very interesting things but as you mentioned it's the best show of all time and one way to celebrate with that is by drinking a celsius energy drink i am rocking one of my favorites of all time the sparkling orange scott's got the tropical tropical vibe vibe, right yeah Yeah, of course vibing with the tropical vibe and as you guys know celsius is the main sponsor of the peter report podcast and we love celsius for multiple different reasons one the variety I just talked to you about the flavors. You also got the sparkling wild berries, sparkling uh, strawberry kiwi guava, watermelon. And, of course, the vibes are always high on this show with the Arctic vibe, as Casey has said before and told me and encouraged me to drink the Arctic vibe. It is like drinking a slushy. You also got the tropical vibe that Scott had and the peach vibe. So there's multiple different flavors. But even more importantly, it gives you that essential energy to get you through your day. There's seven essential vitamins it's the perfect pick-me-up to get you through a work day, through your workout. Whatever you are doing, have a Celsius energy drink. You will not be disappointed. Make sure you go to the store locator on the Celsius website. See where you can go get a Celsius near you. And lucky, luckily enough, there are Celsius all over the place now. So there can't be one too far from you. You can also order it on Amazon. Make sure you... Go on there. You can order it in bulk every two or three weeks. Get the variety pack if you want, because variety is the spice of life. Make sure you're drinking Celsius, the main sponsor, the lead sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Now, Casey, you and I were at practice today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A lot went on. Once again, they were indoors for the second day in a row. Maybe it's because it's freaking scorching hot out right now here in Tampa. <laughs> Maybe seem to like it. I mean, look at that. You got look at uh, Joe Tryon. Look at yeah. Joe Tryon Shanka's face. He is that screams. This is AC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the He's AC thinking, life I can is get the life for this. me. Yeah, yeah. I would come up with a rap for it, but it would be horrendous, and we'd lose all our subscribers. But AC <laughs> is the life. AC is the life for these boys, and they really did enjoy it. Although they did say that it's because. A, they're going to be playing indoors in Indianapolis, and B, they get to get down to brass tacks and get a little bit more specific into their playbook and into the small details of what they're doing. And nobody, nobody loves that more than us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, while they wanted to work on as much as they possibly could, they were not working with Tom Brady. I know uh, that was obviously <laughs> one of the main topics 
Was I yeah. the mass singer? You well, know what? I'm just saying. You know, I'm, I mean, listen, that, I can't... that was the conversation last week <laughs> with Tom Brady's disappearance. Was was Tom Brady the masked singer? Matt, do you want to maybe drop some news today or clarify anything? Were you the masked listen, singer? I'm not going to confirm or deny. You're just going to have to watch and find out. And that's oh, how you okay. get ratings, oh, baby. <laughs> you can't be giving away that. that stuff right then and there. Yeah. But. Tom Brady has been back. He did not participate today. Yeah. It was a veteran's day off. And I understand some people are absolutely freaking out. They're like, he just had 11 days off. What are you talking about? He's not practicing today. He only yeah. practiced two days in a row, and now he's not going anymore? Listen, it's fine. As the Joker says, it's all part of the plan, okay? <laughs> Brady will yeah. be there. He doesn't need all these other things going on. Yeah. You they know what? have it mapped out. I, I, I'm with you, and and I'll say this: I was thinking about this today, and when you look at at Tom Brady, going back to last year, right? Last year, Tom Brady missed a couple of practices. He would take a, a Veterans Day off. I think pretty much at least one a week in the month of December. Does that ring a bell, Matt? Yes, I was going to say like yeah. November, December. He would miss at least one practice. Yes, and and I don't think it was due to any injury. It was just preservation, right? It was to preserve the arm as this team went into the playoffs. <laughs> and so, I like the idea that he, that he got eleven days off essentially, and more now when you add in today's uh, practice missed. That his arm should be in tremendous shape heading into the season. He's not been overworked at all in training camp. Kyle Trask, who this team has needed to get a look at, right, in terms of deciding whether he can be the number two quarterback, beat out Blaine Gabbert, which that's an uphill battle, especially when it comes to the looks department. I'm just being honest. But <laughs> but the thing is, is, is when you look at at seeing if Kyle Trask could be the future for this team, if he could be a possible starter – it just worked out really well. I think that that's the the underlying benefit of Tom Brady's absence is, I mean, unless he was just chucking the ball to Alex Guerrero or to Giselle or to the kids, you know, just going out there getting like, you know, 150 passes and, you know, at the beach or wherever he was, I, I think it's good for his arm to preserve it for the season. I would most definitely agree. Not to mention is that I think this is kind of new territory we're in where you have a 45-year-old quarterback who's, you know, getting ready to play a long season ahead. So the maintenance tactics are going to be different. His approach is going to be different. And it's not going to be the same as these guys that are 20-something years old who can run their body into the ground and somehow bounce back. So yeah. I don't find it alarming anymore. I just think that Tom knew that if he was coming back, he was going to have to take a different approach. And that was going to not only include family, but body maintenance. And body maintenance is going to look way different at 45 than it does at 44, 41, yeah. and 38. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we don't take any days off here, Matt. I mean, we just don't. I mean, well, technically, we, we don't have a podcast seven days a week. That would be a little excessive. I don't know if there's enough news to cover seven days a week in the podcast, right? But we do four a week. We have yeah, three. We, we have we Tuesday, four, Wednesday, we got, Thursday this week. Yeah, we got post games. We got yeah. previews. We got a ton of different stuff. So, yeah, we always want to make sure we're there for the pewter people. And I, I almost find it funny when you talk about Brady, like, taking some time off or or – limiting his reps like Scott as you mentioned late last season it's almost like the most amount of time that Tom Brady has played between practice and a full yeah. season was the Super Bowl winning season when he was playing on that knee injury the whole time when he didn't even right. talk about it so it's funny how the world turns sometimes where uh you know people might get upset that he's not practicing here and there but you also have to realize one 
Tom Brady's going to do what he wants to do because he could just say, hey, listen, I can just go retire. You right. can go figure it out with Blaine and Trance. So yeah, if, you don't, if you don't give me this week or you don't give me a certain number of training days, uh, veteran days, and I'm not saying that he's you know banging on the table yelling at Jason Light and Todd Bowles. I'm not saying that's the case at all. Right. But the Bucs are kind of in a situation where they have to listen to at least to a degree and adhere to what Tom Brady wants to do in order for him to get back. And more importantly – Scott, as you've talked about, as all of us have talked about on previous podcasts, it's about finding out what Tampa Bay has with Kyle Trask. I think we've That's seen right. a lot of good, you know, with that first preseason game. You take out the two-minute warning. Overall, thought there was some good. Obviously, the last game in Tennessee, as you guys talked about on the uh, Peter Post game show, yeah. a lot of bad. Um, Kyle Trask yeah. had a moment today. Sorry, well, I was going to say, just just before you get to that moment, uh, we, we want to add a little positivity so we're not Trask haters. Josh Capo, yes. he put uh, out a good article today. It was entitled, Bucks Quarterback Trask and the Game That Never Was. He went, Josh basically went back, looked at the film, and and showed a couple of, of receptions that should have been made, including a, a, a just an absolute dime uh, in, into the end zone. should have been a touchdown catch. It was very well defended, but he put the ball right in the money. Then of course you have the Scotty Miller drop, which yeah. uh, Casey, I'm not, I'm not looking at you. Don't talk that was about Scott, him like that. That was Scotty's drop. You did not drop that, okay? But I mean, no, I'm just saying it. it that I was didn't. probably a 40 yard catch right there that it could That's have been on. Scotty. The, that was Scotty's fault. Well, I kind of think it was. I mean, he was open. <laughs> I mean, it, it hits him in the hands. It's right in the hands. Catch it, Scotty. What are you doing, Scotty? Is 98 hand on the ball? Does anybody uh, else see that? Well, yeah. I don't know. So Josh Capo came out with a great article today talking about adding some more catches and yards and a touchdown to what could have been, should have been a better night for Trask. And still, and, and Josh, to be fair, also points out, could have been probably another interception or two because Kyle did not do a good job looking off safeties. There was one pass that would kind of floated that allowed a safety to break up on the ball and it resulted in two incompletions. So having said that, how did Kyle Trask look at practice today, Matt? Okay. Again, there was ups and downs and everything like that. Um, Kyle Trask did throw one interception that was very surprising. And before oh. I reveal who made the interception for the Bucks defense, okay. to all of our pewter people in the chat, first of all, please like and subscribe to this show. Okay. But just give a guess in the chat. Let me know who you think got an interception on the defensive side of the ball today when, uh, when it came to Kyle Trask throwing the ball. And I just want to again preface Scott, as you just said, with Josh's article. Yeah, I am not a I am not a, a Trask hater by any means. I think I've highlighted some of the stuff that he's done very well. But if he does not play well, we're obviously going to you know make that case too. Yeah. And uh, Josh Capo's article, I first of all, if you're into the you know the 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 video breakdowns and really looking at the game inside the game. Stay right. tuned because Josh has already had a lot of great coverage with that. And it's going to be even more uh, continuing when the season goes on. Someone said the long snapper. I just laughed at that. <laughs> well, you're good. close. <laughs> you're close, right? <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You are. You are a little. Uh, you are a little close. I'm seeing uh, some people said. Yeah. Uh, Antoine Winfield, Nolan Turner, Mike Edwards. I saw Anthony Nelson in there. Vita yeah. Vea got the interception. Close. Closer. Very, very, very close. Yeah, uh, big Bay, MGM yeah. says, "Lord, if it's a D lineman, oh, so <laughs> it actually was yeah. a defensive lineman. It, it is a guy yeah. that's really fighting to make the team, 
It was Mike Green. Mike right. Green. Not the Mike Greenberg. Lineman. But Mike not Green. Mike, yeah, not Mike Greenberg, the man in the front office for the Bucks, or right. the guy that hosts one of the, the ESPN shows in the morning. Correct. No, it was Mike Green. It was <laughs> Wellington Trevelon. Uh, Who did you it, say? I what? believe. What did you say? With a du- I think it starts with a W. Did you mean Wellington Prevalon? <laughs> Is that who you meant, Casey? Wellington Prevalon? <laughs> yes. No, it was not Wellington Prevalon. It was Mike Green. It, it, it was Mike Green. And to, to Mike Green's credit, it was a. I believe they were setting up a screen pass. I don't want to. It all happened so quickly. And I was just like, wait, Mike Green? Mike Green made the interception? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Mike Green just, he saw the play unfolding, just shot straight through the, the offensive line. So it was a good play by him just being aware. He was in the backfield in a second. I believe it was either a screen pass or a swing pass to the right side. Yeah. And Mike Green just took it, and it would he would have taken it to the house. But, you know, there's oh. everyone standing Right. You know, behind the behind the, he should have just so. pulled a juggernaut and just ran right through him and just found the end zone. It d- didn't happen very often. You're a defensive lineman. You get your hands on the ball, even in practice. You need to take yeah. that to the house. So I'm going to yeah. dock a point yeah. for Mike Green for not finishing the play because <laughs> again, I don't care. Like if, if you've seen X Men Three, you know, you know, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. You know, he runs right through the wall. You know, and I mean, that's what you got to do. Like you got to take that. And I mean, even if you take out a coach or two, I mean, you know. You have to. You you got to score on that play, even if it's in practice. Yeah, yeah especially right, when I mean, there's not you know too many people going against you or jumping in the way. He had an opportunity to make it look a little flashy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> for coach, <laughs> every time Tampa is a screen, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, what was the game? The Atlanta Falcons game, right? Right before halftime, uh, the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, the Brady, the Brady pick yeah. six. Right. Yeah, yeah. I Brady think pick of two. Six. I also think of I. I believe it was the first game of the season in 2019. So it was James's last year. And it's like the Bucks got the ball with, I don't know, I think it was under two minutes, but it's like, okay, like if they can drive down the field, they have a chance to win this game. And the yeah. first play, they tried to throw a, a screen pass to Peyton right. Barber. And it was either like over his head and, yeah. you know, it was an interception. Leonard Fournette dropped the, maybe it wasn't a screen, but it was like a small swing pass yes. uh, last season against Dallas. So, so, yeah, screens don't really work well with the running backs. However, screens right. with the tight ends have worked with the Bucs. I still remember, um, you know, the screen to, to Cam Brate in the Super yeah. Bowl. That obviously mm-hmm. went well for a good play. Right. Um, they've done good jobs of getting Gronk open. Yeah. He won't be there this season right. yet. But, right. um, <laughs> you know, it's it's up and down when it comes to the screens. Not with, to be uh, negative uh, here, yeah. but didn't Trask, like, there was a pass down by a D lineman versus the Titans in the Titans game, was there not? Well, it was he, like he it was nearly a I volley mean, spike to yeah. the face, and it could have been yeah. picked off. So that was almost another pick opportunity for a D lineman in less yeah. than a week. Well, we're, we're going to stop beating up on Kyle Trask now because the Gator fans are going to hate us. So, well, you know what? Like again, and he but bounced back it? too. Telling he completed some passes back. to Tyler Johnson. He was moving the yeah. ball, sticking it into mm-hmm. some windows. So, listen. When he throw uh, an interception to a defensive it's lineman, notable. it, ha- it, it has to be talked about. It's yeah. not- if it was Tom Brady, which it wouldn't be, but if it was, we would say that yeah. too. Yeah. But, yeah. but he also made some good throws there. It's been, right. Again, it's been essentially what we've seen from him all training camp. Yeah. Some really yeah. good yeah, moments. There you go. Some really Steve bad. McClendon got an interception last year. That's right, Ben Leeper. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Ralph, is it, is it Ralph or is it Kevin? I don't know who to call you. Should I call you Ralph or Kevin? Oh, well, Ralph Wiggum is a character on The Simpsons. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so he's watching yeah. The Simpsons back Kevin. in the 90s, but I've given that up. 
Uh, okay, so I'm I'm gonna say, is it Kevin then? Is it Kevin? Yeah, let's go with so, Kevin. Kevin. Okay, Kevin. Did I ever play football? Yes, I did. Two very very nondescript seasons at Shawnee Mission <laughs> South High School in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, if you are a UCF fan, Terry Mahajer, who is the athletic director over there at UCF now, uh, entering his second year, actually gave me my high school nickname, which I'm not going to share on the program. I think I might have once before, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, I, after a sack, he was he was a senior. I was a sophomore. I got my one and only sack in a game. We played our Thursday afternoon uh, games when you're on the sophomore team. So the varsity was practicing in the other field. He was like the homecoming king, the star running back, star linebacker. Went to play at Arkansas State, which is the alma mater of Rick Stroud, by the way. See, I'm bringing everybody from the Buccaneers in here. <laughs> and um, and so I got a sack in the game. And, and, it, and it was kind of funny how that happened because I lined up on the wrong side. I was supposed to go in at right defensive end. I actually went into the left defensive end side as a sub. I love playing defensive line. It was usually a tackle, but I went in at end this play. And uh, I lined up right next to the other left defensive end on the play. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm on the wrong side. So as I'm running like down the line of scrimmage, the ball is being hiked. And the left tackle has got nobody to block. So he just like blocked down on the defensive tackle with the guard. And it allowed me, it was like a pick play, it allowed me just to come free. And I just nailed the quarterback, didn't even see him, uh, didn't even see me. So that was my, that and, and my blocked punt, which resulted in this finger. Uh, that's, this is a real finger. Supposed to look like this, but it's like this because I blocked a uh, blocked a punt head on and it dislocated my finger. So those Forever. are my only two plays in two years of playing football. It's not very good, but I love the game. Yeah, they're they're definitely definitely uh, memorable moments, and I yeah. think it'd be a memorable moment for Mike Green getting that interception. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you. I'll get back to Mike Green in a moment. Yep. Josh S., thank you so much for the Super Chat, 499. He says, Scott, will you be writing an article of QBs in the draft we should watch this season that the Bucks could target? Sure. I know, Why Scott, you've, you've already mentioned <laughs> yes. uh, one quarterback. Yes. I believe it's Phil Jerkovic. Yeah. Phil Jerkovic. I call him the jerk, and he well, is from uh, Boston College. And mm. missed most of his uh, of last year, ironically, with a finger injury. See, I just worked that all the way around. It's like I knew so that the many. question was coming. I mentioned my bad finger, and then, of course, Phil has a bad finger, too. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Phil Jerkovic is a pocket passer, and and that's definitely a, a name to watch for next year. There's a bunch of quarterbacks. We'll get into it, but the short answer is yes. We're not going to type the podcast because we have more pressing matter. But, yes, Josh, we appreciate the Super Chat, and, yes, I will be discussing quarterbacks because I don't think Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask is going to be the starter next year. Nope. I'll just leave it at that. And we just talked about Mike Green. Uh, could be a memorable moment for him getting that interception. Uh, if you were to make this team, it'd be special because he's kind of a, a bit of an underdog. When I hear Green, I don't know about you guys, it makes me think of money. It makes me think Love. of the yeah. $10 million that you could win by playing <laughs> Best Ball Mania 3 at Underdog Fantasy. And, of course, Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play fantasy football this summer and into the regular season. Their tournament uh, you still have three more weeks to sign up for it. As I said, $10 million in total prize money. The best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. You don't have to worry about what defense your player is going up against or who has a bye week. Underdog just gives you the best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year win. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. So 
Make sure you start signing up now. Use the promo code Pewter and draft your best ball mania three team today. That's underdog fantasy with the promo code Pewter. Of course, they also have their pickums that you can get going on right now. For the pickum deal, they're going to have special lines going on for that. And if you sign up with pro uh, with the promo code Pewter, uh, they will again double up your first deposit. They will even match your opening deposit. So if you put in a hundred dollars. You'll get another hundred dollars to play. If you even learned from Plant City math, you could figure that out. You could bet right. over unders. If there's a team that you don't like, you know, maybe you want to bet on the bet, bet on the over of Rashad White to get over 30 yards rushing, but you also hate the New Orleans Saints and you want their backup running back to get under 30 yard rushing, you can do the over under with that. You could also pick this running back against that running back or that wide receiver against that wide receiver. Uh, there's multiple different options at Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code Pewter to get in on the deals that they going on, got going on, whether it's Pick'ems, whether it's your own personal league, or it's Best Ball Mania 3. They have the best deals going on there at Underdog Fantasy. And PewterReport.com is also going to be having their own Underdog Fantasy League. So That's you can right. email Scott at SR at PewterReport.com. Let him know that you want to join the league and play against SR. If you want to right. play against me, talk a little crap to me. That's fine. I'll dish it right back. It's all good. You want to start a league? See if you know a little bit more than me? Email me at matt at peterreport.com. Happy to join a league, get it going, start drafting it up. Obviously, the season is right around the corner, but we want to make sure we have a Peter Report league with you, the That's right. people. So, again, yeah, I've already gotten, Peter. Yeah, I've already got a couple of emails from some people, so I'm going to be emailing you back. So uh, go ahead and, and if you want to play against me, Email me if you want to play against Matt. If you play against both of us, you can. You just got to enter multiple mock drafts. But we're looking to have several leagues. So it's not like the first 10, you know, get in and yeah. that's it. If we get 20 or 30 people that want to do this, then I'll, I'll be in, in multiple leagues. And then you can see how you stack up against me or stack up against Matt or both of us. I'm also happy to do side bets as well. I know playing fantasy football, like against my brother, when I play against him, we usually do the winner gets the pie, the other one in the face. So every Thanksgiving, yeah. get a pie going, pie them in the face. I'll have to put there that video on our uh, YouTube channel sometime. That's so good. if you guys want to do a separate side bet, I'm in, but we got to do the league on underdog fantasy. Yeah, My, my nickname was not Scooter. We will talk about Scotty Miller, also known as Scooter, later in the show. Uh, because today's topic is if you have to stand on the table for three Buccaneers, three bucks on the bubble to make this team, who are those guys? Scotty Miller is not on my list. I don't think he's on Matt's list, but we do have a Scotty Miller fan in the house. Casey, <laughs> you. That would be me. Proud little Scotty fan over here. Yep. Well, and I plan to stand on the table for him. That's good. And we'll get to that in just a minute. One of the, of the, of the the players that he's going up against in terms of of the uh, the competition for one of those lesser roster spots after the Fantastic Four, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, and Julio Jones is Tyler Johnson. And as our intrepid reporter J.C. Allen uh, just posted in the chat, Trask also had two deep touchdown passes to Tyler Johnson and who? Praise be, Chris Godwin. Yes, Godwin. Good seeing yeah. him out there today, right? Matt? Yeah, Chris Godwin, he was one of those players that was all over the place today. Um, he had a sick one-handed catch uh, in another drill, had a couple touchdowns in red zones, and he also caught a deep ball as well. It was a bit of a busted coverage. It wasn't like he just beat the corner one-on-one -on -one or you know split the corner in the safety. A little bit of a 
busted coverage type of situation. But nonetheless, Chris Godwin making a catch down the field. Casey, uh, we've seen at training camp and, and throughout the preseason here with these practices, they've been easing Chris Godwin back in. Whether, you know, mm-hmm. when he first returned, it was just, hey, you're running around in helmets and shoulder pads. That's awesome. Like, we weren't even <laughs> expecting that. Then Good they enough. put him in in you know individual drills and practice drills with Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert. Then it was seven on sevens. We've now elevated. He's wearing the non-contact jersey, but he's mm-hmm. elevated to eleven on elevens, and he's making one-handed catches and he's scoring touchdowns. Who knows if he's going to play against Dallas? We still have a couple of weeks to to determine that. But right. seeing the progression that we've witnessed from Chris Godwin, and we are all witnesses, it, it has been just. I mean, it's been great. It's truly like I feel so excited about it just because the work that he put in, the type of player that he is, the caliber of player, to see it all coming together on on like a day-to-day basis has truly been remarkable to, to watch. Yeah, and it's I'm glad that you mentioned it because practice by practice, we've seen them give him just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think it's important also to report that we've seen it players come back from significant injuries. We've seen players come back and be eased into the program in in a similar way, but they didn't have a confidence about them. Chris Godwin just has this confidence and lightness to him. Like, you know, he's going to be able to, to bounce back and be a part of a team that he's missed so dearly. So, you know, after the play, he's not kind of wincing. He's not easing off. He's jogging back to the line. He's jogging back over to the coaches. He's jogging back to the huddle and conversations. Um, he looks confident on the leg. He's not hesitant. He's not mm-hmm. you know, bracing when he goes to do anything. It just, it looks like the perfect progression to ease back in. And I don't even think he's prefer- necessary to push to have him back for week one with this loaded group that they have. But would I be surprised to see him there? Not exactly. But I, I mean, depending on where coaches think he's at, I don't think it needs to be pushed. Scott is muted. So I'll what I'll my, just say, yeah, I'm what muted. I'll just there say real. Go. Okay. Good to go. I was going to say, Casey, what if, if they put Chris Goblin on a pitch count, right. For that, that Sunday night game at Dallas, mm-hmm. you still get Julio Jones, still get Russell Gage, still get Mike mm-hmm. Evans to throw the ball to, right. Not to mention the tight ends, the backs. I, I think that I would be a little bit more concerned if they didn't bolster this roster with Julio Jones, because if something goes out there, he tweaks it, doesn't feel right, even if he's limited to just 20 reps. Right. right? And you can go out there and win that game with with those players I mentioned. You're Three out of the Fantastic Four ain't bad, even yeah. if Chris Godwin's on the sidelines. A hundred percent. I definitely agree. Because you want them from the stretch of things, and there's such a, you know, they go up against very physical teams early on. And if he's still easing in progression, you know, I'd rather see him on the other end of that with such a loaded and talented offense. Yep. I mean, I feel like the run game is going to be even more exciting this year. And that's something that they can transition to, to not weigh out, you know, and overwork the wide receiver yep. group. So, so many options. That's well, also, sorry, I was gonna say, ahead, we do have a little bit of, of news here. We have a signing that happened uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, Adam Kaplan broke the story as Mark cook, the, the late great Peter reporter would say, Adam Kaplan. Adam Kaplan. Adam Kaplan. Jannard uh, G- Avery, who played with the Steelers, was uh, was signed by the Buccaneers, and he was cut by the Steelers on Monday. He's 27. This is according to Greg Almond's tweet. We're live in the air, so we didn't tweet it, but Greg did. 27 years old, started 12 games for the Eagles last year, and 43 tackles at seven and a half sacks in four seasons. Can compete for one of the final roster spots in Tampa Bay's 53. John Ledyard. 
Uh, former Pewter Reporter chimed into the Pewter Report group text chat whenever we need something Steelers-oriented. He's up there in Pennsylvania. He's our guy. He said he was playing well for the Steelers. Most thought he would be the outside linebacker number three. Pretty shocking they cut him. And so it'll be interesting to see. I think he is an, an inside uh, – or actually, he's an outside linebacker. So uh, it's going to be tough for him to make the team unless he is – just so good on special teams, which is kind of his forte. I think that's the reason why they signed him. But right now, when you look at, at that that quartet of Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon, Shoenka, Carl Nassib, and, and Anthony Nelson, I think they're set at outside linebacker, but they're going to give him a look in this preseason game to see, can you cover kicks, cover punts? That was not a, a strong suit for the Buccaneers in Tennessee. Witness that firsthand. And uh, Cavante Turpin, former, I think, TCU Horn Frog. If I remember correctly from my Big 12 uh, watchings, this guy lit it up for Dallas with a 98-yard kickoff return and 86-yard punt return. If he doesn't make the team, well, holy smokes, Buccaneers, claim this dude off waivers because he's really good and he's scary good, and they're going to be facing him probably in week one. Yeah, you might you might as well if, if Dallas isn't going to hold on to him. Add to the team as much as you possibly can. Yeah. It was funny because I was talking in practice today – you know, myself, JC, our intern, Sly, shout out to him. Sly. Just had a birthday, 21st birthday That's a couple right. days ago. Sly's 21. He, yeah. he drink Pirate Republic beer now. He does. Like, holy <laughs> smokes. Wow, what another great segue into one of our sponsors. Uh, you might not know this, but folks, if you don't, I'm going to tell you. Pirate Republic is the official beer of Pewter Reports. They've got three amazing beers for you to choose from. The Long John Pilsner. If you're looking for the kind of beer that you can take to the beach, sit out in a hot summer's day by the pool, or maybe tailgate, right? This is your go-to beer. They've got the Techno Quarter IPA. I'm not an IPA fan. This beer is making me become an IPA fan. It's the best IPA I've ever tried. And you probably saw me uh, drop an orange slice into the golden haze of piracy Belgian wheat beer yesterday, and, and I loved every drop of that. But let's focus here on the Pirate Republic Long John Pilsner, 4.5% ABV. It's the lightest beer, the crisp and refreshing taste that Pirate Republic's going to put in that red can. It relies on, on the, the Czech Shaz hops for its spicy aroma, while the toasted Munich Marley really brings out the depth. This is going to be your go-to beer for, um, for like I said, a hot summer's day, pool. If you want to go to the beach, put this in your cooler. If you want to go to the tailgate, if you want to do, I don't know, a Pewter Report podcast, then you open up one of these, these uh, Long John Pilsners like I'm doing right here, and it's absolutely fantastic. Folks, we would not have an official beer of Pewter Report if we all didn't love it. Are we all thumbs mm -hmm. up on Pirate Republic? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, much. obviously, I love the yellow one. I took it on the boat with me on Sunday, mm -hmm. and my friends tried to drink it as if they didn't have their own. Right. And I didn't bring anything <laughs> else. So that was kind yeah. of annoying, but... Well, Whatever. Listen, you're you're pewter people, right? You love your Buccaneers. There, there's no better beer to consume if you're a pewter person than Pirate Republic, because you're pirates yourselves. So live the pirate lifestyle, and we we encourage you to to check out Pirate Republic. Oh, and by the way, today, which is Wednesday, it just so happens if you want a free sample of Pirate Re Republic beer, go to the Total Wine and More. This afternoon from 4 to 7 p.m. I mean, don't stop watching the podcast right now. Wait till 5 o'clock. You'll have plenty of time to get there. But go to the Total Wine and More. It's listed in Lutz. It's kind of by Wesley Chapel. It's right by the outlet malls up here in my neck of the woods. From 4 to 7, free tastings. 
you can't beat that. You can try the IPA. You can try the 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 golden haze of piracy, a Belgian wheat that obviously Casey likes, and of course the Long John Pilsner, which I'm consuming right now. Yeah, very much. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, you know, had it recently for the first time, like right before they became a sponsor, and um, I'm glad they're with Peter Report because it's it's the absolute perfect fit, and all the flavors are great. I'm torn between the Long John Pilsner and the Belgian wheat is my favorite, but. Um, yeah. I'll just flip a coin the next time I decide I to have it, which one, <laughs> which one I want to have. Um, what I was saying though, at practice was we are talking about like, obviously today's topic with players on the bubble and, you know, we're throwing out a couple names like Andre Anthony, who had a sack last game. And it's like, I just, I don't think he's going to make the team. Cause I don't think that the bucks are going to keep more than four outside linebackers because it's a pretty good room. As you mentioned, Shaq JTS, and then especially signing Carl Nassib recently, now with Anthony Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that they're signing another outside linebacker with yeah. another round of roster cuts coming after the Indy game, a little bit surprising there unless they really, really found a gem that they like, as you were saying that John Ledyard mentioned in our group chat that he was an outside linebacker three on the Steelers. But if he could do something on, on special teams, as Bucks Time 12 says, goodbye, Stewart. Grant Stewart actually came back to practice today after missing uh, a little bit of time. And Mm -hmm. he's a guy that needs to get into the lineup. Um, He does. You know, a a couple of the guys that we've talked about before, Olakunle, Fadukasi, making splashes as a linebacker. Obviously, J.J. Russell, I thought was a pretty good linebacker early on in in training camp. But it's going to come down to special teams where the two guys I just mentioned, I think as a standout inside linebacker, Probably a step ahead of Grant Stewart. We've seen him struggle so much yeah. Yeah. in, uh, you know, it, just especially in joint practices and in, in pass coverage. He's really struggled there. But his calling card, at least last season, has always been that he's the special team's ace, that he's that first guy. You see the hair flying as yeah. he's going after, you know, a- after the uh, returner on punt coverage. We haven't seen that, though, because he got hurt early in that first preseason game, and he's essentially been out since. So it's almost like, you know, we always talk about what have you done for me lately? And as incredible as he was on special teams, he's a guy that really needs to show it in this last game uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Because, yeah, it was awesome. But if they could find someone that gives a similar amount of production and is also a better inside linebacker, it's yeah. not a guarantee he's going to make the team. Is he that good at special teams that the Bucks have no other choice to hold on to him? It's close. It's close because yeah. he really was good last year. He led the team. But the Bucks also have a couple of different options. It's not just Grant Stewart or the team's absolutely screwed right. as much as they struggled in punt coverage. It, Casey, it, it, Casey, I mean, Grant Stewart cannot be a gunner. He's he's not that fast to get down there. No. But, I mean, would you say that, that that this team needs to find some gunners in quickly? Uh, yeah, I would say that we need to find some gunners in quickly. I think it it would help them just move move down the field way better. Speed is an asset in in more ways than one, and that being a, a huge part of it. But I, you haven't seen anything too spectacular at the gunner position, and I think it would be helpful because special yeah. teams can just be that clutch moment. But kind of also bouncing off of Matt with Grant Stewart, it's 
it's a tough position to be in when you're referred to as the special teams guy and you can't right. really be sought out to do anything more than that. Yeah. And even if he, he's a liability on size. defense, right? Yeah, I mean, it's his he, size. He can play fourth downs like nobody's business. He, he might even be a, a Pro Bowl caliber special teams guy. But Casey, but, Matt, we, we've seen him. He can't cover. He's mm -hmm. too slow. The instincts aren't there. He's not that big. Yeah. But all of a sudden you put him out there and punts and kicks. He's one of the best players on the field. It's crazy. And you're talking about a team that's very attracted to versatility. So if you can bring in a guy who can contribute on special teams, but fulfill a more of a role on defense. Yeah. And like you said, have the instinct and be more beneficial. I think Grant Stewart's out the door and that's yeah. nothing personal against Grant Stewart. Right. It's just, there's no room to waver. And yeah. and I'm not singling out any like fan or naysayer, but you know, there could be someone out there that's, that's going, well, you have Levante, David and Devin white. What does it really matter about having a fourth string linebacker like if he could play special teams then keep him on the team well we saw last year Levante David missed a multiple games yeah. with the list Frank injury and mm -hmm. when he came back he was playing at 60 percent but it was the playoffs you know you, you right. gotta play for the playoffs so mm -hmm. the Bucks are one Levante David or Devin White injury from KJ Britt being in there and then it's really important who's your your fourth inside linebacker yeah. because yeah. you never know what's after that we've seen already whether and John Spytek mentioned this, how you yeah. know you had all the injuries to corner last year, and you know the front office prides <clears> themselves <throat> on building out a team as much as you possibly can. But when you have so yeah. many injuries at that position, there's only a handful of players that you know you could bring in that can That's actually right. do it at this level. They're now yeah. experiencing it, unfortunately, on the offensive line between yeah. Jensen being out and and Stinney and Tristan Wirfs. Looks like he'll be back for the first game of the season, but still playing with an injury. So, right. you know, it, it's one of those things. You can't just assume mm -hmm. anyone's going to be healthy across the board. We haven't even seen right. all four of the Bucks' top receivers, the Fantastic Four, as I right. mentioned before, yeah, um, really going through their thing. We, we listened to John Spytek today out at practice talking about finding the right 53, building that team. Mm-hmm. That is right. I'm pulling up the video right up. About right on cue, right now. About. Yeah, I think from a, I mean, listen, it's our job and it's going to build as deep of a roster as we can. And we potentially use the third round pick on Roberts because you know we didn't know the outcome of Jensen's previous investment coming down, and obviously with Ali retiring and Capital leaving, um, we made an intentional decision to pick Luke. Um, we had Skinny who played a lot of good football here. We lost him. Um, we like Brandon Wall. Nick Leverett's done a great job. So. Listen, I mean, anytime you start losing a lot of players at a position like we did in the quarter last year, it gets tough. There's only so many guys that can do it at a high level, but, you know, we're happy with the progress of the guys in there that keep the um, tails off and we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, listen, John Spitek knows his stuff. He is Jason Light's right-hand man. He's yeah. the vice president mm -hmm. of He's pro the hands of the king. He is. He is the hand of the king in the, in the world of Game of Thrones and in, uh, in Buccaneer lore. Uh, the one thing that, about John Spitek that that I'll say is it, he's going to be the next Jason Light protege to become a general manager. It's only a matter of time. He got several interviews this offseason, should have been hired. Those teams will regret it. I think John Spitek is an absolute ace. Jason's former protege, his former right-hand man, uh, the right hand to the, to the throne, as you would say, Matt, was John Robinson, who I saw last week in Tennessee, uh, a friend of, of Peter Report for a long time and still doing his general manager thing there with Mike Rabel with the Tennessee Titans. But I, I think for all of the news that happened today 
out at the Advent Health training facility. The Mike Green interception, Chris Godwin coming back, scoring a touchdown pass, the smile on Joe Tryon-Joinka's face uh, being indoors and, and feeling the air conditioning, right? And sharing that moment with Logan Hall, right? It's just, just a joy to see. But I, I think probably the best moment for me was was seeing that mustache shaved off of John Spitek. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, I do know what he was thinking. I mean, I, I totally knew. He's trying to, to do the Cam Braid, and he just didn't do it. I mean, if we're just being honest, he didn't do it. Like, nobody can do that, right? I mean, look, look at Cam. I, I think I said it on the podcast yesterday. He should be in a barbershop quartet after he retires, right? He should be in a red and white pinstripe suit, finding three other people he can harmonize with and just go for it. That's the next career step for Cam Bray, if Brooke will let him do that. I'm just saying. But uh, I, I think that that John Spitek tried that look, and it did not work. It looks like a hairy caterpillar uh, crawled <laughs> in his face. And I love John. I say this with great respect, and, and I'm just joshing John here. But what we saw the, the evolution of this, right? It's like you kind of see this starting. Now, now, listen, John is probably the most handsome man in the front office. Okay, good-looking guy. Right. And you can see the scruff right there. And do I have beard envy? Of course I do, because I can't grow a beard or a mustache. So that's why I'm picking on John right now. But but look at the stubble. Right. And you can kind of see the origin of the mustache. Right. It's 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 a, it's not as shaven as quick as closely as the stubble. Uh, if, if he would have stayed here, that's fine. Look at Todd Bowles. Right. Todd Bowles, another handsome fella. He's got the perfect amount of, of, of salt and pepper stubble with with the the full on beard. OK. Uh, but then it started to grow. Oh, there it is. See, it's starting to come in, right? And and he just made the mistake. He tried to go cambrate, and he, he didn't pull it off. So kudos to John Spitek for realizing his mistake. We talk about roster cuts, right? Roster cuts are, are, are coming. They're, they're happening right now. They're coming uh, for tw 27 guys next week. But I think the most important cut that was made today was, was John Spitek shaving off the mustache that it was not good. Sometimes you, you have to know when to not do that, right? If you look at Ryan Suckup, he knows he could grow a mustache, but he chooses not to, right? Wisely chooses not to. He's, he can do full stubble. That's fine. Anthony Nelson, same way. He could grow a mustache, decides not to, right? Three people in the NFL can pull off the mustache only in terms of players. Giovanni Bernard, right? Back in the, in the Cincinnati yeah. days. Uh, Gardner Minshew, right? And Cam Bray, those are the only three players, in my opinion, that can really pull off a good mustache. And and and, and you see here, uh, you know, uh, Logan Hall has mustache, but he's got like the little chin strap, like the little beard. Was that a goatee? Kind of a goatee, right? Yeah. Via Vea just says, screw it. I'm just doing full facial hair. These guys <laughs> look fine. Um, Blaine Gabbert knows better than to not just do full on mustache. He's got the mullet. He's got the full on scruff. Looks like a damn supermodel playing quarterback. Uh, even Matt Matera decides mustache. <laughs> fine, we have the mustache, but we're going to go with the with the uh, the full on beard. We're not going to connect it. We're not going to do like a Fu Manchu, but we're going to we're doing the the other uh, accompanying facial hair too. So again, uh, really kudos to John Spitek. Probably the most important cut to date was cutting the, the mustache off. My problem is I can't connect the mustache to the rest of the beard. I couldn't even do a Fu yeah. Manchu yeah. if I wanted <laughs> and to. You know that. And knowing it's half the battle, as we used yeah. to say with watching G.I. Joe back in the day. So <laughs> you're, you're making the right move by 
understanding your strengths and playing up to those. But <laughs> I, I, I got to say, John Spitek, I saw the mustache in person in Tennessee. I wanted to say something. Uh, yeah. He just I didn't even recognize him when he sat down for the first 10 seconds today. So I was yeah. like, oh. Yep. There I he thought, is. Uh, another cool thing Spitek had to say, um, he was talking about, obviously, the importance of, of the practice squad, but the benefit especially when the NFL made the rule during COVID that, you know, they're adding another one and that you could actually put veterans on that practice squad. Yes. And the fact that you can elevate players from the practice squad to the main roster on game day, how much of a benefit that is. I believe it was actually JC Allen uh, that asked that question. And thank yeah. you, Mr. Bucks nation for yeah, the two super chat. So he was saying how much he enjoys the rule. And if that could factor in for who makes the 53 man roster and who they try to sneak onto uh, the practice squad with one of those veteran players where it's like, okay, I think we have a better chance of keeping this guy than if we lose this like rookie player or, you know, young player that another team might get. So uh, here's John Spitek talking yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I think it's one of the new great rules they've done is not only can you have the vets there, but then you can elevate them on a weekly basis without having to actually activate them, you know, sign them, cut somebody and so on and so forth. So again, we're just going to try to get the best 53 that, we can and the best 16 that we can after that all with the understanding that um, injuries happen and we want any of those guys in the 16 to be ready to go in the game and be prepared and be able to you know uphold the standards that we have you know uh we talked a lot about what went on in practice today we haven't even gotten to like our bubble players that we want to keep yet so let let's talk about that just Two quick last things about practice today that we saw. Antoine Winfield Jr. had a very nice interception playing in the slot mm -hmm. again. So good to see that uh, he's still doing his thing right then and there. Shout out to Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, Jamel Dean, we talked a lot about the corners and the defensive backs in general. Needing to catch those damn balls. Uh, he did not catch the damn ball on a play yeah. that you know was very telegraphed. He had it ready to go. He just he completely it. dropped it. <laughs> I, I think it was Ryan Griffin, to be honest with you. Uh, Ryan Griffin yeah. got a couple of snaps. Um, I'm not 100% positive, but I think RG4. it was Ryan Griffin. Yeah, um, he dropped it. <clears throat> if, you, if To anyone that watching this that has been to the indoor facility, there's like red padding along the side. He like jumped over the red padding because he was just so unhappy with himself. And then he ran a, <laughs> a lap around the field. Uh, yeah. As punishment for not, yeah, as punishment That's for good. not. I wonder if that was self-induced or if that was Kevin Ross saying, I'm throwing you guys so many frigging balls in practice <laughs> while you're even sitting on the ground that, like, if you don't catch them, there's going to be a, a penalty. Back in the day, back in my day, Les <laughs> Steckel, the former offensive coordinator for the Tony Dungy Buccaneers in 2000. That's when it was, 2000. In 2000, because it was 2001, was Clyde Christensen, believe it or not, was the offensive coordinator and Tony Dungy. Sorry, Beer Burp. But uh, there, was a thing, there was a thing called the penalty path back in the day, where if, if the Buccaneers created, if they had a penalty in practice, you would, like back in high school, you'd run a lap. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, like the players hated it because it was so juvenile. And they felt <laughs> they didn't feel like, like grown men. They felt like boys. But you know what? It worked. So if Jamel Dean has to run some laps to catch the ball uh, because he does have a problem catching the ball, I'm all for it. If it Screw works. laps, up-downs. That's Ooh, what they had to do yeah. at my high school. It was up-downs for every mistake that you made, and I used to watch these boys throw up all the time. And yeah. for a defense that wants to has a goal of five interceptions per practice and, and games – 
they're not they're not scratching the surface on this. I want to see uptowns now. Yeah. Uh, ben, yeah. Ben Leeper asks, is SMB still starting over Dean? That is still the case today. Not I, I'm not sure when there's going to be a change. I, Sean Murphy Bunting is playing, I don't want to say scared, but he doesn't want to make plays. He wants to let the receiver catch the ball to make the tackle. He's playing safe. That's the word I'm looking for. He's not playing scared. He's playing safe. And I just wonder how long that's going to fly because all we've heard, right, Casey, is from Kevin Ross, from Todd Bowles, from Larry Foote, is interceptions, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, 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 the safeties coach, drawing a Nick blank. Rabone. Nick Rabone. Nick, Nick Rabone. Rabone, thank you. Yes, uh, that's that's been the mantra. And if Sean Murphy Bundy is not going to put himself in position to make some plays, I wonder how long he's in the starting lineup. But then again, if Jamel Dean's <laughs> dropping the ones that yeah. he has a chance to, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's you a know, trade. SMB actually made a nice play during red zone drills today. It was on the other side of the field. And mm -hmm. again, like you have the wall players, so it was like a little tougher to see. But he made like yeah. a nice catch in the corner of the end zone um, that I'm not sure if he got both feet in bounds. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it was like the most I've really seen of SMB in all yeah. of uh, – the oh, loudest play camp. of yeah, the loudest play of training camp. But if he was in yeah. your bubble, would you keep him or cut him? Man, I think, for depth, I think for depth reasons, you gotta hold on to him, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's of, not he's not trade bait. I, I think they're set at their cornerback positions. It, it, listen, he and, and Jamel Dean are both in a contract year, as is Mike Edwards in the secondary. So these guys are gonna get one more look. That's that's just how it is. Uh, I will say this. It is time for the, the topic of, of the show, which is the Bucks bubble players. We're going to go through these kind of quickly. Let's start with, with UKC ladies first. We, we talked about three players that are going to be on the bubble that you are going to stand up on the table for. And before you say his name, I'm just going to put him up there. Just going to do it. <laughs> did, did I guess what right? All of a sudden I changed my mind. Actually, Scotty Miller, for the is yours. make the case for Scotty Miller. Look, guys, I'm still waiting for Scotty Miller to have his like Wes Welker transition. I'm waiting for him to just step into a, a, a more dominant, confident role. His first year, he didn't get much opportunity, but he was a rookie and there wasn't much room for him at that moment. Then he has this, you know, somewhat quote unquote breakout performance in comparison to the still pretty stacked wide receiver group between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and comes up with 33 receptions for 501 yards, three touchdowns and that perfect play that everybody to remember and give him credit for. I think the thing with Scotty is that he's trying to break out of this one trick pony, um, you know, label that he has. And he has shown some glimmers in camp that he's capable of being more than a one trick pony, but he has allowed pressure to get to him. I do recognize that. But I feel like Tom Brady likes having one of those 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", under 200-pound wide receivers, you know, at his hip that he can do some versatile plays with. And Scotty yeah. said that he can rise to the occasion. So when it comes to me pleading the case for Scotty Miller making this roster, it's not going to be because I'm 100% going to back up the fact that he's not going to make mistakes. It's going to be the fact that we're talking about a team that's attracted to versatility. We're yeah. talking to about a team that likes to have options and – Scotty Miller is not like any other wide receiver in that group, whether it's the fact that he only catches long balls or whatever the case may be. He's not a six foot plus wide receiver who, you know, you're going to move down the line. He is going to have these flashy little roles that I think Tom Brady is going to appeal to. And injury aside, we have seen more trust. We have seen more, you know, certitude between him and yeah. Tom Brady in camp. 
Yeah, it's it's just tough because the NFL is a what have you done for me lately league, right? And and I saw Scotty run down there uncovering punts during the Titans game, and I was excited about that. He didn't make a play, but you know the guy did make two forced fumbles. He did have two forced fumbles, one against the Colts, which is a key fumble, yeah. and then also in the Eagles game. So I'm just saying he's he's got to find a role on special teams to stick. Casey, yeah, who, who are your other two? I mean, at the gunner position, for yeah. honestly. Um, I and I know some people are freaking out about the Wes Welker thing. I'm not saying that he can be Wes Welker. I'm saying that the similarities between their body type and some of the plays that Wes Welker can, you know, matched on Tom Brady with Scotty right. Miller is definitely capable of. I'm not yeah. saying that Scotty Miller is going to become a Wes Welker. We're also talking about somebody that played with Tom Brady for yeah. what 2013 to 2019. So everyone relax if, by going off the deep end on the comparison. Yeah. But I think that there's a skill set there that um, Scotty can learn from and apply to his game, not to become Welker, but to better himself. Something right. else that I liked is that if you look at Scotty's college stats, you know, you saw a very gradual progression of him stepping into himself as an athlete yeah. and a player. And I think given the time, Scotty's only going into year four. He had five freaking receptions last year. You really yeah. can't talk about last season and give any kind of you quality. Got hurt in week three, so, exactly. Yeah. So you have to jump back to 2020. Now we're talking about two years ago and we're assessing a player that showed progressive capability. So we have yeah. to give him that room to progress. And there's no other person in that group that is a Scotty body type. And we know Tom Brady likes having that body type between Wes Walker, Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. And he has way more speed than all those guys. And okay. they're going to want speed on their side at some point or another. All right, stay on that table, Casey, and, and make your case for your other guy on offense. Who do you have? Koki. Koki. Okay, Koki. Man, did I get so excited about this. You guys are going to have to cut me off. And I'll open with this. I don't remember if you have the video, Matt, if I sent it to you, but it was Todd Bowles that said, he kind of giggled when the media asked him today about their blocking tight end, Koki. And he was like, I wouldn't actually really just call him a blocking tight end. Now, is this guy predominantly put his hand in the dirt and and, and been that blocking guy? Sure. And is that going to be a huge asset to this team? Absolutely. And to see that this guy can line up at fullback, you don't want to see Cameron Bray at fullback ever again. Right. And I don't. Yeah. So to know that you have that option in Coquith, that's a huge attraction point. Then you have a guy that you can rely on for blocking. That's a huge attraction point. When you look at his Minnesota stats, they always refer to him as being a key person on that line to help open up the run game. He blocked for an offense that totaled 5,616 yards, the third most in Minnesota records. 3,293 of those yards are passing, but almost every game there was 212 to 498 rushing yards, and they said that Keith was a big, big part for why that was able yeah. to happen. Then, well, I, I, matter of fact, hold on, Casey. I, I think we have Byron Leftwich talking about Koki. Do we yes. not? Yes. Yeah, here right, is Coach Leftwich talking about Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he brings more than just run blocking. What that is, we're still trying to figure out, right? We're still trying to figure out what kind of team we're going to be right now. He's done a great job coming in here, getting his face, getting dirty. He don't mind getting dirty. He don't mind when it's noisy in there. He's a guy that loves the noise, so you always want those type of players, especially how physical and body is going to be. Yeah, I, I think agree. he is the, the the K train, right? If if he makes yeah. this team, which I think he's going to, I think Casey, you mean, I think Casey, you just sold John Spytek, Jason Light, Byron <laughs> Leftwich, and and uh, Todd Bowles. Uh, and he's, he's not just a blocking guy because he got his first 
passing touchdown in 2020, and it was a 14-yard pass. So we also talk about the fact of the loss of Gronk, and everybody thinks that in order to fill those shoes, you need a 6'5", 6'6", tight that is a, right. you know, a receiving tight end. You don't. You need a guy that you can rely on in the red zone who has the height to body out his defenders, and Koki yeah. can do that. You want a glass eater in the red zone who's going like to really it, fight for that ball. Eater. Yeah, and you know what? You know who would love – Coquif, the legendary, the late legendary Mark Cook, because this oh, guy is a bigger, yeah. better version of Alan Cross, who he had a bromance with. And um, so, yeah, it, as, as from one ginger to another, this this would be a new bromance in the locker room between Mark Cook and Coquif. And why wouldn't it? Look yeah. look at those gingers. They're just, you know, they're yeah. spectacular, <laughs> especially, I mean, you, you got Ryan Jensen up front, right? When he's back healthy, you have line him up in, in, the, in, in the backfield as a fullback. I mean, that's that's like a, a double barrel ginger coming right at you, right up the middle. I like it. I'm sold. You got me. Uh, not so much on Scotty Miller, but Coquive. Casey, who are you, <laughs> who are you finishing up with here? I'm going to close out with rookie Don Gardner. Oh, I like that. Gardner. I like that. Yeah. Had the only yeah. interception. So, yeah, of course, yep. you caught my attention because we're talking about a secondary that needs to figure out a way to not only get their hands on more balls, but to secure the catch and make the interception for crying out loud. Yeah. Now, can I fully back that up for Don Garner? Not 100%, but something else I like about the kid is that not only did he get the one interception, but when you go back and look at his statistics and what his strong suits are, it's the fact that he loads up on tackles. And yeah. that's something else that this defense has an issue with is wrapping up and completing tackles. And we saw a lot of fluky stuff in both of the preseason games that weren't attractive. And Garner has gradually gotten better from game one to game two. And that's been yeah. something. He actually caught that one. I mean, it's like he was that's an yeah. inch away. Very close. He was an inch away from getting that interception. Then he actually catches one there. So he's an inch away from leading this team in, in interceptions, it, it, right. which, has, which has been a, a statistic that has been missing big time for, for uh, the defensive staff preaching interceptions all off season. Yes. Don Garner is the one who's paying attention. Six one one eighty. I like his build, but I'm going to take another angle on this one with the rookie is okay. Logan Ryan in his conference yesterday. They were talking about the secondary and he said something that I love so much. He said, in order to play in a secondary, you actually have to be a very intelligent player. You have to be smart. Now, speaking of smarts, you're talking about Don Gardner who got honor roll the first three years of uh, in college he had academic uh, excellence awards so he has all these accolades on the academic side that show you he's able to he's be equipped when it comes to learning a playbook to have football iq and if you have a guy out there who's going to be gritty enough to finally not only get his hand on a ball but to pull it down get that ball security yeah. load up on those interceptions 92 solo tackles <laughs> you could tackle you can get your hand on the ball more than any yeah. other guy in the secondary as of right now and you're smart as heck yeah Turner signed me up. I like it. You two out of three Casey, as far as I'm concerned. Questionable about half. Scotty. Well, we'll see. Two and a half. We'll, he still has one more game on Saturday to, to show. Yeah, we might can, have to revisit this conversation. We, Scotty's yeah, gonna exactly. crush it Saturday. Come on, Scotty. Don't embarrass me. All right. Me. Uh, Matt Matera, you're on deck. Uh you got three Buccaneer players to stand for, stand up for. Uh let's let's hear the first one. I think you yeah, made so, a, a splash today in practice. Do we kind of uh yeah, so one of them, that? and, uh, you know, to pull behind the curtain a little bit, uh, we kind of went over our list just a tad bit, and we didn't want to double up on a couple people. Right. So don't get mad. I'm doing all defensive players because there's another offensive player. Nothing wrong with that, on, Matthew. Uh, yeah, who, defense, who, nothing defense yet. is welcome on the podcast. Game. I'm just saying right. people are going to be screaming for one guy. Yeah. But Mike Green is my first player. Had the interception today. Um, 
you know, he's obviously in a group that's very talented along the defensive line, whether you're talking about Vita, Will Golson, Akeem Hicks, friend of the program, Pat O'Connor getting sacked in each game. But Mike Green, from start to finish, and a lot of these guys that I'm talking about, you may you may not see it as much in the game more than you're seeing it in training camp and, and in practice during this week. But Mike Green is a guy that seems like every time you look up, when he's out there, when he's getting some snaps, he's in yeah. the backfield. He's shown a, a good ability to to just make those plays in the backfield, whether it's stopping the run or or getting into the face of you know some of the uh, the, the quarterbacks there. Obviously, the Bucks have been running a lot more twists and stunts and and different yeah. moves up front, trying to get quicker along the defensive line. And I really think Mike Green has taken to that very well, using some of that speed. Yeah. And uh, not that he's the quickest defensive lineman, but just, you know, powerful dude too. Yeah. He's got a lot of power up there. Yep. So I, I think he's a guy that going in, you were like, okay, he's another person in training camp here, but yep. no, he's proved that he can get to the backfield a little bit more than some of the other quote unquote bodies that you bring in uh, for, right. for training camp. And he's done a very good job with that. And then of yep. course, making the play today. Uh, anytime you make an interception, is you, what you have know. you done for me lately? Well, I picked off Kyle Trask in practice today. <laughs> we talked yeah. about gunners, Matt. This is a guy last year that, who was your second guy that that uh, really kind of made a name for himself as as a you know kind of a midseason fill in at cornerback, but also a special teams ace. Yeah, he really has to step up. This is Rashard Robinson. I have really enjoyed watching Rashard Robinson here in training camp. And let's remember, he was injured at the beginning of it. So mm -hmm. he's a guy that has really started out behind the eight ball and had to start moving it up uh, as quickly as possible. And he has. For starters, uh, we talked to a couple different Bucks players on the Peter Report podcast, whether it was Cyril Grayson Jr. or Dee Delaney. I asked them both, who is the fastest player on the Bucks? And I was expecting them to say Scotty or maybe even themselves or at least in Cyril Grayson Jr.'s case, they both said Rashard Robinson. So yeah, we're talking right. about speed, what? speed, speed, yep. which is exactly what you need at the gunner position. But on top of that, he has won some of those one-on-one -on -one battles, whether it was joint yeah. practices against the Miami Dolphins, whether it's going up against practice. all the wide receivers that the Bucs have had. And all we talked about is how great of a competition this is and how tough it's going to be to, um, you know, cut one of these receivers yeah. and he is you know sticking to them like glue and these one-on-one -on -one battles which are tough against the defensive backs he's going out there making plays breaking the, the pass up and he's just done an exceptional job in one-on-one -on -one. he's like he is super super like skinny in his arms and legs like they're almost yes. like toothpicks on if him. you were to so take I don't know like health if you were to take a stick of bamboo and, and yeah. dress it in a uniform <laughs> No, with with a helmet that yeah, I mean he's 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 a twig. I mean, if you is. popped Casey's yeah, arm saw... out of the socket and put it on his hip, <laughs> that's what's happening yeah. there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I so like Richard Robinson too. I, I do like yeah. him. I'm, I'm not injury concerns in me a little I, bit. I like yeah. Injuries concern me a little bit, but um, you know he's proven it when he's playing. So if he can stay yeah. healthy, I think he's going to make this team. I agree. And your third selection staying in the secondary. Yeah, Nolan Turner. Nolan Turner out of Clemson. Again, uh, another guy that just came in. Uh, his dad, unfortunately, passed away, but his dad was uh, a former NFL player, so he's got you know that ability in him already. Um, he's a guy that's just taken to the playbook extremely well. He picked off Tom Brady in practice. Anytime right. an undrafted rookie free agent yeah. picks off the greatest of all time, <clears throat> that's really saying something. I think he's very comfortable with the playbook. He understands yep. what he's doing. I understand there's a ton of talent back there, but 
they're going to be moving guys around a lot. Logan yeah. Ryan moving around. You never know with injuries. Keanu Neal. That's right. You know, hopefully he'll be back for the, the first game against Dallas. That's another one where Todd Bowles seems optimistic about. But I just like what he brings to the team. Um, yep. He's a very smart player. I, I think you could trust him. In yep. Saturday's going to be big for him. He's got to yes, show up absolutely. in special teams. He really does because he's got to make the case in special teams, keep five safeties. Otherwise, he's a practice squatter, in my yeah. opinion. He's got to show up. And and be a uh, you know be a guy that goes down there and and gets a tackle or two on on uh, Saturday in Indianapolis. Rounding out the the uh, the the guys on the bubble, and it's my turn to stand on the table. Well, you know, again, in all fairness, Matt and I kind of agreed on some of these, so we're going to go through them pretty quickly. Uh, Olukunle Fadokasi Fadokasi had a fantastic game, not only against the Miami Dolphins, leading the team with, with six tackles, but including a, a huge stop on third down of tackle of, of Scalar Thompson. He really upped his game against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, mm-hmm. Myself, Josh Cape over there, just just watching this guy rack up the tackles. Nine tackles Saturday against the Titans, had a sack and a half. He was, when Joe Tryon Shoinka left the field, he was the best player on the field for the Buccaneers defense. He just was phenomenal. And, we talked earlier in the show about how Grant Stewart's a liability on defense, but a special teams demon. If this guy can show up on special teams, and he's gotten some good reviews so far, but this guy, in my opinion, he's faster, more athletic, and he's better than K.J. Britt. I know this team loves Britt. They've got an infatuation with him, and I'm not knocking K.J. Britt as much as I am praising Fadokasi because I think this guy can actually be – I think he's who you want as that – that third linebacker, uh, ultimately, he's just he can run better, and and that was yeah. a game with double tight ends and the Titans running the ball a lot, uh, where where you would expect KJ Britt to kind of shine, and you think he had three tackles. Fadakasi is a sideline a sideline player. I love him. Find a way to keep this guy, even if it means parting ways with Grant Stewart, Devin Tompkins. Okay. What I'm hearing is Jareth Stearns just doesn't have the speed to make it in the NFL. He might stick as a practice squad guy, although I think they're going to keep, if I had to guess, Brashard Perriman, Cyril Grayson, and Kalen Geiger as, as the three practice squad guys. Maybe Scotty. We'll see. But I think those are the, the practice squad guys. Devin Tompkins, I can see, make this team as the number seven wide receiver. I do think they keep Jalen Darden as the return specialist. But here's why you keep seven receivers real quick. Chris Godwin, his knee is an unknown quantity at this time, probably won't play Saturday against the Colts, and for good reason. You don't want to get him you know, hurt prematurely, but he's got to play at some point. It's probably going to be in Dallas after a couple weeks worth of rest. Uh, but if he's on a pitch count, if those hamstrings from Julio Jones flare up, and if you keep six receivers, all of a sudden, Matt and Casey, you're down to four, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have seven, not only that, if Jalen Darden doesn't show up as a return specialist or gets injured, you can slide Devin Tompkins into that role, and he can handle punts and kickoffs as well. I like, I did like what I saw from Rashad White. But Devin Tompkins, this guy plays bigger than his size. He's got an electric quality to him. I think he is the guy out of the three undrafted free agents, Kalen Geiger, Jareth Stearns, I think Devin Tompkins is the guy. The, my last guy, Brandon Walton. You heard uh, John Spitek talk about him. Not that impressed with him as a tackle. The team knows that. He is a, a good guard prospect on the rise. 
And remember, he surprised us, Casey and Matt, when the team inserted him into the starting lineup for yeah. multiple practices. Yeah. Even ahead of Luke Gedeke, who just was learning the playbook. I think Gedeke is ultimately going to start on Saturday. But Brandon Walton, this guy has the versatility to play guard and tackle. And from what I'm hearing, he might have beat out Aaron Stinney for a roster spot this year. Stinney is only pegged in as a guard, and they liked Gedeke a lot. And I think they were going to start him against the Cowboys. So Brandon Walton's a name to, to know for now and for later. He is, uh, I think, a, a player that's in that Nick Leverett mold where they like him a lot as a backup player. So those are my three guys that I'm standing on the table for that are bubble players. And if Brandon Walton doesn't end up on the roster, he will be on the practice squad. Yeah, I like those picks, honestly, from everyone, from you, Casey, and you as well, Scott. And I was a fan of my own, yeah. too. I had no problem with it. <laughs> yeah, and, um, I agree. you know, I agree. If, any, if any of these bubble players do make the roster, um, it's a benefit for multiple reasons, but also because you're getting, uh, you know, uh, a paycheck, an NFL paycheck, not a practice squad paycheck, an NFL paycheck. So right. a little bit more cash involved there. And uh, exactly. the best way to utilize your cash or where to invest it, where to put it with finances. Uh, the best place to go and do that is with Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today amy and e financial plan ahead stay ahead that's right i mean you want in these turbulent times to have experience on your side right in immunity financial they have over 40 years of experience handling people's finances and managing their assets whether it comes to legacy planning brokerage and advisory services retirement accounts college savings accounts for the kids or insurance services let Immuni Financial do for you what they've done for me, and that's help you plan ahead and stay ahead. That's right, folks. I'm not just a pitch man for Immuni. I have most of my financial assets with Immuni Financial for a good reason. Even if you have a financial advisor, it does not hurt to get a second opinion. It's your retirement we're talking about after all. Give Immuni Financial a call at 1-800-868-6864 for a free no hassle, no obligation consultation, or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Well, pewter people, you heard our list of uh, bubble players that we think should make the team or that we want to see make the team. Let us know whether you agree with us. If there's anyone else that we missed that you think should make the team, you know, let us know in the comments. Make sure you like and subscribe. Yep. Help build the algorithm. Help the algorithm, I should say, of... <laughs> Uh, pewterreport.com and of course Peter Report's YouTube channel Peter Report TV. Make sure you like and subscribe help us help you help you help us whatever that saying is we're an hour and ten minutes into the show. Yeah you guys um, over time today folks. Yeah, did. We'll but you know back. what it was the best show we've ever done. Exactly so, so yeah, not it, just it deserved, it deserved to yeah. go over. The extra time um, and the beauty of it is that we might have the best show coming up tomorrow again ah, at 4pm yeah. wow. we'll talk a little bit about uh, you know, dive a little bit further into uh, the top matchups for the Bucks going up against Indy. What position groups we really want to see do the most. Obviously, wide receiver is mm -hmm. one of those that we'll be talking about. We'll also see if Todd Bowles 
talks about how much the starters will actually play in Indy. So there's still a lot to get into. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But as for right now, thank you everyone for watching. For Casey Hudson, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying once again, thank you everyone for watching, listening, and reading pewterreport.com. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.